Like if we brought my wife into this conversation right now, Hugh, how many stories would she tell of the day that we're 5,000 short of payroll and that day the money came in? I mean, I would say eight out of 10 of, pay, of payroll times, that's our story. Yeah. I think in the, in the Babylonian paradigm, we see that as an unhealthy way to live. But doesn't that sound eerily similar to the people of God when they were in the desert complaining? Yep. You feel me? So I'm like, yeah, this is cliche. Like it's it's a, it's the same old story. But I'm going. It, it is cliche, but it's like really real. It seems like yeah. not, not anybody doing this seems to have the same stories. All right, well, we're here again, once again, another uh, Gray Pages with the Brave Cities crew. And um, yeah, I am, uh, uh, if I don't sound the same, I'm usually at a better uh, computer or microphone, but I am on my laptop in the bike shop today. Uh, needed to, well, I've been here a lot more lately. We'll probably get into a little bit of why. And uh, Taylor, Hugh, we got both y'all on today. Um, looks like y'all are other places as well. Where are you guys at? Paul is where are you at? What room are you in? I'm in our co-working space. Uh, it's called Groundworks. It's one of the spaces we started in Alton about a year ago. Uh, I'm in the conference room right now. It's not being used. Yep. I am uh, up in the postmaster room of the top floor of Post Commons. Apparently, an old postman way back in the day hung himself in here probably a pastor in a church <laughs> that's a terrible, that's a bad joke well it's a funny joke though but we uh we so we figured since we were kind of in our spaces today you know um one of the things that we've been you know we have mentioned in some of our former conversations we've talked about hat the importance of convergence spaces we've talked about marketplace engagement a little bit you know back in our agora conversation and um, thought, you know, maybe, maybe um, we might just kick into a little bit of the, you know, the, the why behind some of the, that thinking, like why, why is that kind of engagement important? The challenges of that kind of thing. And uh, I don't know, start just, we'll just kind of roll from there. Um, do you guys have any, any, any thoughts to, to how we could frame or kick that off? Well, let me, let me throw some at you. This uh, last weekend I was down in Colorado at a mega church that actually is really bitten hard on this. And they don't even care if they lose people. They just, they got a space right in the middle of town and they're trying to convert it, take all the church branding off and just make it more usable for the city. But they still will obviously meet there. Um, I would like to frame it by saying, that's probably not what we're talking about, although that's something maybe we can get into later as far as like renovating, it's actually not a church building. It's actually in a big like mini mall or mall area. They had already converted it. They had big church branding. So they're just, anyway, they're neutralizing the building. Um, and that is, it's, that's a way better play, but I'd rather we focus in on like the actual, like why we call it convergent space. 
what that actually is. So I think, I think Taylor, I think you coined the term. So tell us what you were thinking with that. Well, if, if uh, it's not too uh, lame, I'd love to read in a little excerpt from our book that's coming out soon. So we can kind of flow from this, but this is just a, a paragraph and a half on conversion. Everybody spaces. hang on. This is so well written. Y'all are going to want to pay attention to that. <laughs> Bugle up. All right. Kidding. So here's what we wrote. There's a notable and mysterious experience that happens when kingdom people encounter other kingdom people. Faith, hope, and love are transferred in a tangible and recognizable way. The idea of not forsaking the assembling and stirring one another up to love and good works was meant to be far more robust and holistic than sitting in rows one day a week and listening to a lecture. A convergent space is an intentional home, business, or social space where people know they will encounter other people with kingdom hope in them. It's the idea of the power and presence of God in us. We must begin to rethink and intentionally reshape the way we converge and our natural rhythms of daily life. We have to encounter each other regularly in the same way the poor, lost, and lonely have to know where these spaces are so they can go there to find the good news of the kingdom. I'll stop there. That's kind of the good side of it. I want to talk about that. There's also a, not necessarily a bad, but a hard side of it. We need to talk about that too, John. You're sitting in one of y'all's convergence spaces because you've lost your your head tech to another job and now you're having to come back in and fill that role and in, in, in management and uh Hugh how many times have we had to step in uh with no with no pay no uh no incentive other than keeping the space running but we do it because we believe that these spaces you know let's say kind of as a as a metaphor and a reality, Monday through Saturday um, are some of the most important rhythms that we can create to, to building peace and healing the sick and cleansing the leper, that idea in our city. So yeah, we build these spaces really intentionally with, uh, um, with the strategic product or uh, placement as far as location in our city geographically because we want to bring the kingdom tangibly uh, where it starts to rub up against evil or brokenness or whatever else that might be. And we call them convergent spaces because the primary like Luke, uh, is it Luke 10 or Luke 12? Luke 10. Luke 10. The beginning of that talks about to seek peace. So somehow you have to bring peace to bear at the very beginning. So like when we did this, it was, you know, we had no idea all the stuff we built out, but it was like, we have to do something to encourage and, and get people going, man, there's just, at least we got something in this town. So that's what I mean by convergence. Like there, there is something that just happens if people can come together. The alternative is if you don't have a convergent space, the question is, what do you have? So it used to be you'd have a church service you might invite people to. That That is not going to happen. Um, then your only other option might be your house. Um, and house, like we said, can be a convergent space. But for a lot of people, that's also weird space. That's, uh, that's right. 
So having a convergent space where those that really may not even, I mean, where the homeless, <laughs> they don't have a home. So uh, where they can even uh, be a part of your community uh, to anybody is what we're really talking about. We, you know, as Taylor and I were talking, we actually said, when you get started in a city, you have to begin to build out from an apostolic hub. So another way of saying convergent space would be like an apostolic hub where all the activity begins to kind of flow out of. Um, so yeah, just to, for clarity. One, I always, go, ahead. go ahead, John, you go ahead. No, I just, I, it's funny, but just thinking back to the, you know, even the conversation around Agora, but like the town, town square kind of thing or like there are places apart from like our enterprise when you look at a city you look at a neighborhood um there are places that people do converge where people do come together there might you know sometimes those are around activities like there's the park or a sports arena or something like that and and for a lot of folks i mean it's the supermarket or the place where you're gonna go get what you need um and, and, and there's something about like being present in the marketplace. So like the way you're framing is like having a place where community really gathers and like apostolic leadership and all that just kind of like, and that is there's real intentionality around the setting of that table and the use of that place. But then I also just think of like where you set it, right? Like uh, to say like in the landscape of our own city, like I just came this morning before opening the shop. Um, we run like a, a kind of a, every Friday morning we run a, um, kind of a grocery distribution it's in a neighborhood here where folks could use some extra groceries and it's a great way for us to meet people and hang out but like it's where people are on Fridays because there's a community garden has a work day out there there's just a lot of activity and traffic that's there anyway and then we're just like hey why don't we all why don't we add to and and just you know kind of enter into this this kind of rhythm of life that's already happening in the neighborhood where really we're being welcomed into their space in many ways. And it's kind of a cool thing. Like we set places where we can do the work of hospitality, but then also there's a lot of times we recognize that there are spaces where we are received into in hospitality. And I, I, I don't know, I, th I feel like both of those can really function as that, that concept, right? I think also yes. evangelism and discipleship is, I, I think it's your convergence spaces. Like now we're starting to really say, we think the new evangelism is actually going to be space making. So, yes. you know, evangelism has always been something that's kind of front and center in my mind. That's why we did the spot of hospitality, welcoming, something that draws people. So it made sense to, for my evangelistic uh, antennas, if you will, um, but it's also discipleship. It's where people watch us do what we do, which to us is the framework for making a disciple. So they do, they see all of us that we they perceive us to be the owners. I don't think any of us have been owners. We don't own any of the buildings. We're more like presidents of nonprofits, but yeah. with no particular financial stake, but they see us bussing tables and, you know, taking ownership. Yeah, right. Take That's ownership. right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's let's pull on this a little more because this is, I mean, the evangelism conversation I think has to change anyways. The idea of good news is so complex and so broad. Um, 
when you, so let's make it personal. I want to tell two personal stories and see if we can riff off of this. Uh, one is just a guy living in my house right now. So like there's levels of convergent spaces. Um, there's a gentleman named Sean that, uh, I don't know, Hugh, what would you say? Probably in his 60s, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's probably 40 and he probably looks 60. Yeah, uh, living on the streets, suffering from uh, a form of cancer. I think it's prostate cancer, uh, hard worker, painter, uh, loves to gamble, um, super kind heart, uh, wanders into the post um, maybe four months ago, begins to build a relationship with uh, our one of the guys that's running the show around here and asking for work, not really asking for a handout, and just starts to feel family here. Uh, he's, man, he's heard Jesus loves you and wants to die for you uh, and forgive your sins more times than than uh, all three of us put together. So he knows that good news. He's probably prayed uh, eight sinners prayers that week to get a meal. Um, but he just wants to feel welcome somewhere and feel like he's not a bird. Um, starts to do life here, you know, takes naps in our roaster room, uh, helps out where he can. And now he's at a place where he wants to really get his feet back under him. He needs to live somewhere for 30 days with a lease so he can apply for a voucher. So he's living in our basement. Uh, our, we have a finished basement with a nice room in there. And my wife worked out a legal lease for him. Um, and now he's found himself in like the, what we would think of as like the second level of convergence spaces because the home is far more intimidating than a place like the post or a place like the bike shop. He's not gonna wander up to our home typically uh, to, to build relationship. That would more be when he's reached kind of the beggar state. So that story is happening and, it, and it's, it's going well. Here's another you know, great convergence space story. We started a new space last year in Ferguson just outside of Alton called Soulcraft. It's a custom woodworking and furniture building shop and a commercial space. And man, I was in there. When did I text you last week? You, I might have I might have shot you a message too, John, but I was in there working on a project with uh, the guy who had Soulcraft up. His name's Rodney Fickus, and we'll have him on the podcast soon. But the three hours that I was in there, I witnessed eight people come in the shop randomly, just walking down the street in, in downtown Ferguson, wanting to know what was going on, uh, wanting to know, you know, uh, who runs it? Why is this happening? Like, what's, what's the purpose? There's four uh, posters on the wall that say like, make, keep, sell, teach. So what does that mean? You know, what is the process of, and, and Rodney set up this whole program of becoming a maker where it's one to make, one to keep, one to sell, and one to teach. And once you fill, finish all four 
process as you become an official soul craft maker. And I'm watching this good news happen so naturally, so um, uh, organically, not having to be forced or, you know, convoluted or, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, sold in any type of way. I'm going, man, if we had, if we had a video of this right now to show the church, the power of convergence spaces. And all three of us are preachers. I'll say this too, like all three of us are preachers. To think of the, the amount of many sermons that we preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just last night, my wife and I were reading that text that says, uh, command and teach these things, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture and preaching, right? So think about how many times a day you publicly reference the Holy Scriptures or preach a mini sermon in a in a quick interaction in a convergent space, as opposed to when you were maybe uh, uh, preaching every Sunday at a church or something like that. So that's just some personal testimony of the power of convergent spaces just in the past week. I literally, I, I will tell Cheryl, I think, and I don't do this often, but I'll, if, if I just have some free time, I'll go, I'm just going to go down to the post and talk to people because I, I know there's people here. I literally, if I just want to talk to people about life, uh, ask them questions, I do a little two minute talk where if I've seen them for quite a while, I've never hung out with them. I'll say, Hey, time for your two minute talk. And they freak out for a second give them a little extra coffee. And I, I just tell them, I say, Hey, I can tell you're a regular. And uh, a lot of our regulars become part of the family and it helps us to remember family members names. If you just tell me two minutes of your story and every one of those two minute stories, uh, they talk about God and life and letdowns. And um, I feel like I've been literally able to share like the entire, like full gospel story, probably with 200 people. Um, and it's just because I decided I can go down. There's people there to talk to. And I'm only talking to regulars. I would never talk to a brand new stranger unless something weird happened. But um, it just makes the entire sort of gospeling process just like a no-brainer. It's like low-hanging fruit. Um, I don't know what I would do if there wasn't the space, you know. Then what do we do? We 15 years goes by and we... Uh, we don't talk to anybody. So I, I just think it might be the yeah. or we Or we do that strange phenomenon where we like go out and interrupt people's schedules yeah. and say like, hey, I want to tell you, you know, that unfortunately you're going to hell if you don't let me share this with you right now. And uh, <laughs> 99% of people other than like clinical sociopaths despise that experience on every level uh whether they're the giver or the receiver and yeah just i think it begs the question of like what happened when did we shift the narrative to where we were the the agora conversation john we were doing life in the market and in the neighboring kind of social aspect of rhythm and village so where good news was just very a very natural experience, like 
man, when I, I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan and whenever like NBA season just started back. So I saw two amazing games this week. I, all I can think about is I want to get up to this space to share some good news with my other basketball buddies who are, who are watching this and to think that I would have to sit down and go through a program teaching me how to share good news of my love for basketball is, is very, uh, you know, uh, it's an eerie thought. Like, I don't need to program myself to talk about this. I love it. It's great That's news. Right. It's great conversation. I, I have a space to do it. I have people that I know want to, want to, you know, converse in this. So. Hey, so can I, can I move it to a little bit of practical for a second? I'm trying to think of like, when we've talked about conversion space, what are the most common questions that people ask about the space? Anything come up to you guys over and over? One, one is how do you, how do you pay for it? Oh, okay. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was next. I was going to, at some point, we got to get into the how how hard this stuff is. Remember uh, Steve Martin on one of his old albums? He had a, a bit called How to Have a Million Dollars and Not Pay Taxes. And he starts, he goes, First, get a million dollars. I know that some of you are like watching this going, That's great. Yeah, we heard Halter's story, got a building given to him. Taylor, you guys were flat broke just learning coffee. How did you guys like come upon the actual building and figure out how to pay for it? Yeah. I mean, no one needs to ever ask Hugh or use Hugh's story as a, as a uh, inform or a normative experience. His is yeah, only not exactly a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a roadmap. We, us in the, it's a little irritating, in, honestly. <laughs> in the initial world, no one understands why this man is given the things he's given. Uh, well, look at him. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. The story should not even be out there. It doesn't happen yeah, that yeah. way. John and I are better examples of how to go about it. So pretty much, it's it's grueling. People who, but it's work. not grueling because you love it. <laughs> It's so not how to, because how you're passionate about it, you're, you're driven, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that's what we need to talk about is like. I will say, we, though, like on, in my defense, okay, people have heard our story and I've mentioned to people a lot of the cities, especially if you're working with more impoverished areas, I said you should ask people for buildings and there's people have called me back and went, I got one. So, you know, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get a great building in the suburbs of Denver, you're not going to get a building. But um, if you're angling to the poor, you would be surprised. The city may even give you a building. So um, don't exhaust it or don't think that you can't get like something pretty big for pretty cheap. I think it's yep. possible. Yep. And don't not ask for it both people and, and God, like ask for the spaces, ask for the energy, ask for the money. But I think at the end of the day, the reason I wanted to point out that we're all sitting in different convergence spaces right now is because we work so hard and we are a part of teams that work so hard to keep these spaces running. 
Like I know for a fact that a guy I was with last week in one of his, his spaces, he's losing money weekly on his space right now. But he knows that he's working towards something that is eventually going to be sustainable. And so he's hustling. He's, he's finding other ways to, to create sustainability in that space. And then, you know, John, I, he's, John's in a space right now that was running smoothly and it's, it's making things happen, but he's also having to, as we're doing this podcast, he's having to manage it because he had his head guy take a job somewhere else. So Sorry about talk about that. I will in just a minute. Hold on. Yeah, he's he's literally having to manage it right now. So and 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 I'm messing around with you. Like, yeah, he was he was given some things, but I was up here for for the first three years periodically helping him build this space out. You've you've never really made much money from it. You've you've had to hustle in other ways. So talk about how how hard it is to actually get these spaces going. Uh, and it all, you know, it really all depends. We've seen so many different sizes. Like we didn't really have a mortgage on this thing. It was essentially free and most of the money to, to develop it, uh, we were able to raise it. We had a little $120,000 note that we still pay on. So it's, that's not a big deal. But, you know, the last two months, um, I'm calling Taylor's wife going, we're going down because utilities are $5,000 a month. So it really all depends. Each sort of space will have its own dilemmas and own benefit. Um, I also was thinking like, and I've, you know, I've seen uh, where you were at Taylor and, and other spots. Sometimes what makes sense for the city, maybe that's the, the point is make sure you make sense for what the city's asking. Sometimes uh, fixing something up really beautifully is not what you should be doing. Uh, sometimes you need more of a raw space in our city. I think, I think we hit it pretty good here because our town probably more than any other thing needs something to be proud of or be encouraged with. So we did, I think we made it look pretty nice. So everybody would go, we got something in this town um, and they would bring their friends. So people would always say, if I bring friends and I bring them here. So, you know, we couldn't lowball this thing, although it, it's not sort of like uh, elegant, but it's, we just, I think we did it well. So I think you have to be thinking through, why do you want a building number one? What would it do for converging people? And then start to go, how much are we going to put into this thing and what's the real feel going to be? That was really All right, John, you got the floor. All right. Well, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, we had a couple different spaces we've done over time. I mean, but the bike shop, you know, it's interesting. Like it, it was, it was, so we're in a part of town that, um, is now on the rise i guess like but it was really just in decline and then we're actually our bike shop so like i don't know you can see like here's the bike shop but if i keep turning you'll see behind me that's that's a mall that we're in and which is a really weird place to put we're actually in a shopping mall which um they're kind of things of the past right like Amazon killed this whole thing. And, and actually this mall is now getting a bunch of investment where they're going to, it's not going to be a mall. They're going to, you know, tear and wink parts of it down and this, that, and the other. But, but what happened at that time was malls had, uh, and, and this could be the case for other people, but like I was looking everywhere desperately. I was actually couldn't figure out where we were going to go. Cause we had had prior to this, we had had 
a daytime drop-in center that we had rented. Um, we had had some donors that had put some money up for us to rent a space where we were having a place for the homeless to gather during the day. And, and we did like before the bike shop, we had a little, what we called the recycle bin there. We were running little kind of a homeless bike co-op, but we said, man, we really want to get into the marketplace and some of these bikes we could actually sell and sustain the program a little more, take on more of a social enterprise model. But I was looking everywhere and I was getting kind of panicked. Like, I don't think we're going to figure this out. So we were doing pop-up shops and set up a tent at a community garden or sell bikes on the side of the road, which is what we did for a little while. And I finally, I started looking like at like, I was like looking at barns or airplane hangers or like just, I just need a space to keep the bikes out of the weather, to have people come and look at this. Um, And actually uh, someone from the underground had called me and said, hey, you should look at this mall because there's all these empty stores. Like they, they don't have anything going on here. So probably, you know, a little bit of money would be better than no money. And so we reached out to the company, to the, to the, um, to the mall management company that does the rentals. And we're like, look, we are not going to be good. Like we're not market price tenants, but like, we see that you have some spaces here that it doesn't look like you're moving them. It doesn't look like, and, and interestingly enough, like you couldn't come do that here today because now it's full. Like all the spaces here are full and actually a bunch of them are other, like there's a robotics lab down here. There's a charter school. There's a, uh, like a free pharmacy in here. It's really weird to be like in the mall. It's like shoe stores and then nonprofits, but like, that's what's taken over because we, like, we kind of led the way a little bit. These others all started moving in and saying, and now like the whole mall is a bit of like a, a nonprofit kind of innovation conversion space kind of thing. Uh, But for us, it's like, we're, it was still a very cheap thing, but then actually running it as a, it still has rent and it's still for us. It's not high for like, I don't know, for a finish line or something like that. But for us, it is still, even though it's kind of like a reduced rent, it's still uh, astronomical as far as I'm concerned. Like it's hard to do, but we are able to kind of cover our overhead with bike sales and this, that, and the other, but we do, that means we have staffing and it means we have this, that, and the other. So like you kind of had to get your head into just running a business. Um, but then for me, what, what one, I thought that was quite fun. Like I like getting into that stuff and building businesses and figuring this out, stuff out, kind of that entrepreneurial scrappiness, but like more than building a business that needs to throw off capital. Like we said, it's not about ownership, but the functionality of the space is like, if you can build a business that provides like real value to the community and provides this kind of space, but then, I mean, to then it's just like, if it breaks even, it's a huge win. Or even the guy you said, like, if it loses a little bit each month, it's just like, yeah, I mean, the drop-in center never made any money. And we, we got used to nonprofits spend money on spaces that don't sustain themselves all the time. And so we just thought, man, what a better way to go about this. And we just realized, like, if we can work toward breaking even, in my mind, that's just wildly successful as a space. Um, and I'd, lo- I'd love to say it through off capital. But, like, again, we still need more staffing and this, that, and the other. So, like, when a staff leaves, this is where you find out, like, oh, we're actually a safety net. Now I got to come back in and be present. And I can't actually fill the gap of the technician because I'm not a technician. Like I can, I know my way around a couple of things, but I'm not good enough. And so we're on a search right now, but I am here and present because there is like management needs now um, where we lost some senior leadership or whatever. But um, 
I think that's been a huge part of this. And so like how you pay for it is like, you kind of figure it out, but then also like take opportunities to get into weird places. Like he was saying, like, maybe it doesn't need to be a super nice place or be a rundown spot. And for us, it was important that it was a storefront. Um, but I also think like there's some good examples of things we've done historically where we utilize temporary spaces like the pop-up shops. Um, we did some things like uh, even uh, I think of the conscious party, right? Like we used other people's spaces to say, can we rent a space just for one night a month? And it's more event based at that point, totally. like based on whatever it is you have, it's like you could set a very temporary table a very pop like a farmer's market it's here on saturday morning and then it's gone but you could go hey i'm here every saturday morning and and those may already exist and you put a table at one or you know kind of join in with something already there or and so that's like your mind gets to like i need that space to be in the community and engaged and interfacing with the marketplace and then and then you find them and and then based on whatever resources you have and whatever needs and ideas you have you you just figure it out. Get into that's a next. really Go that's ahead. a really good point. I think Shirley Hughes wanting to say something because he's in an odd posture right now. But <laughs> I do. I just want to say really quickly, like there's so many ways to start this process in your context. If you're if you're doing like kingdom ecosystem work, you don't have to sign a, a one year lease on a property that that's gonna take your legs out from under you, unless you have that temperament. I think it mm-hmm. takes a really particular and specific yep. temperament to, to jump into something where you know you're gonna have to bust it and hustle. Like you can you can reach out to some dudes in your city and say, hey, look, I wanna start a weekly dinner where we host like a beautiful banquet for people that are not, that don't usually have access to that. And then you reach out to a caterer and you say, hey, would you like to give back a little bit? Like, what would you think about catering this once a month? And maybe we'll do half of your normal price or maybe you donate it to our nonprofit. Like there's so many opportunities for creativity when you, when you really start to kind of just do a little assessment of like what's needed in our city. Like what could be a helpful convergence yep. space? It could be athletics. It could be food. It could be drink. It could be hosting a, a, a freaking cigar night down at the, 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 the patio of the pub. Like there's ways to create these convergence spaces where they're not so ministry forward in the sense of their, they become exclusive but they are clearly intentional of creating hope, good news, telling stories, learning life, all that. So, Hugh, what you doing, man? Uh, I thought I'd do a very quick tour. Show them where we make money, where we lose money. This is uh, <laughs> lobby. This is a uh, coffee area. This is where we, where we lose money. <laughs> coffee loses money cafe barely makes any money uh whiskey bar it's where church planters hang out and get liquored up that supports events it will take you to events people sitting playing a little bit of extra and then we're going to go into the events room Got an event uh, wedding tomorrow night. 
It looks good. Sorry. So events make money. So we, we view the coffee, the cafe, more as like lost leader. Um, that's really more for relationship, people connecting. Then we try to figure out something that will make a little bit of money. So the events have ended up being sort of where uh, we actually do pretty well. So that's a quick tour. But, uh, and then Sunday night, Hugh, aren't we giving the space away to some musicians that are hosting like this kind of citywide worship gathering or something, right? Yep, we got that. So we, we say we've got worship in the ecosystem. I don't think well, Taylor went once. I don't go. I'm done singing. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be a couple hundred kids. I'll be there. there. So uh, yeah, I mean, so obviously, I would say the, the building is mostly it's like off, free office space for people that just sit here and work and whatever. But you do have to figure out like how to sustain. What we wouldn't want to do is like go under and we get very close every month is like a struggle. Um, but we always say, you know, Taylor really coached me up one time when I was like frustrated, we weren't making money because I, want, I wanted to make a lot of money so we could do more cool stuff. And Taylor reminded me, you know, the goal is just like to make it, <laughs> like keep, yeah. you know, increasing your employees and your sort of the infrastructure. But if you're just making it, you're succeeding. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm getting used to that, growing some muscles on just barely make it, but, um, it, it really is you know i mean it's funny the bike shop we we constantly over the you know we're about to celebrate our five-year anniversary in this space actually uh next week and um we we chris who is the tech who just left but he's like helped build it up found it he was here the whole time and he um he would always, so there'd be these times where it's like, it's the end of the world kind of situation. I mean, I, you know, you name it. It's like, we're not going to make rent and payroll or this bill came in or we can't get the parts we need or, um, you know, or for whatever reason, we have to close the store down. Like you just one thing or the next. And it's like, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. And all just again and again and again, in this very weird way, um, there would be like, providence like these weird things would happen i remember um there was like this shortage on tubes that happened actually no this is right when the pandemic started so um you couldn't get tubes or tires like everything bike related sold out completely but right before that happened so we didn't panic this was a little inverse story of that but there's an amazon reseller here in town that sells bike stuff we didn't even know it existed because it's not a storefront it's just in a warehouse somewhere selling stuff on on amazon well, he sells bike seats and tubes and tires. Well, he called us and said, Hey, I exist in town. I don't sell here, but I sell all over the world. Um, but my warehouse has all these old tubes. I get a lot of returns and some of they're, they're still good. And I have these pallets of seats, but they don't move very good. And I'm, um, I need them out of my, they're just in my way. Cause I could have a better product in that spot. So can you guys just drive over here with a trailer and pick them up? I'm like, Oh, sweet. We're going to get all these products. So we go over there and we pick all this stuff up. And then it, it, it was like immediately after that, uh, nobody could get any anymore. And we had this mountain of tubes in the back room. And, and I could just tell you story after story after story where Chris, I remember him coming one day and he's like, man, and he, this isn't because he's particularly like, uh, you know, like uses scripture. He's not a guy running around quoting scripture, talking like 
you know, church language or whatever, but he, he knows the story of manna. And he's like, man, I think we might need to rename this place like the manna shop because like, like it's just again and again and again and again, there's just like providence. Like, like we just have daily bread. There's he's like, and we keep forgetting like every day we go, Oh my God, it's the end of the world. Run around like chicken little. We don't actually fix anything. Like we don't accomplish anything. And then whatever that need was, it just like, comes out of like left field there's just some odd way that god kind of provides and gets us through to the next day and it has been the most encouraging thing so to celebrate us here now celebrating five years it's wild man because it was like every month along the way it was always like the last hurrah like this is the last day but just enjoy the process and you know we probably won't be here next year but that's all good like we're having a good time and, and, and like, you know, like he was talking about, like, we never really like, oh, we make money. There's no such thing as savings reserves. It's hand to mouth. It's like, we're, we're, you know, at some level, this is a terrible business. <laughs> it's just a terrible business, but, but it's just doing good work. And like, it's valuable in the community and we're learning. So like, you're being shaped by it and like, can have, I mean, even for me, I'm like, man, like this place is like, is itself proclaiming like good news to me like i'm just yeah, like man. even that providence like god is with you and you're in, he's encountered in the space and in the neighbors that come in um you talk about how many like little mini sermons we we share but i'm like man but there's just as many to get preached to me by the by the right. man that comes in off the street and has something to tell me uh, right. including this morning Absolutely. you know it's just like i i almost broke down after talking to this neighbor today i was like god this dude and it was just this like prophetic kind of word about like looking out for some of the vulnerable neighbors here that uh, that's what we're wanting to do but it was just like a better way to do it and walk alongside each other it's just consistent and constant and so johnny we got to call this one we'll title it uh good newsing is space making so not just good newsing them but good news for what it does for all of us as we pull this stuff out how's that i like it and just just think about like carry this thought with us with whoever's listening we're the whole message the whole kind of street narrative stream that we're on right now is building the city of god within the city of man building kingdom within within empire are building heaven within Babylon. So we live under this thing called the powers, the, uh, or, or some might know it as like the principalities and powers, this ruler of the kind of the, the ecosystem that we're in. It tells us how to live, tells us what is successful business, tells us what is, what, what are goals that we should strive for. And I think we're, we're being challenged even right now, John, with some of the thoughts you're giving. It's like, like if we brought my wife into this conversation right now, Hugh, how many stories would she tell of the day that we're 5,000 short of payroll and that day the money came in? I mean, I would say eight out of 10 of pay of payroll times that's our story yeah. i think in the in the 
Babylonian paradigm, we see that as an unhealthy way to live. But doesn't that sound eerily similar to the people of God when they were in the desert complaining? Yes, yep. You feel me? So I'm like, yeah, this is cliche. Like it's it's a, it's the same old story. But I'm going. It, it is cliche, but it's like really real. It seems like yeah. and, anybody doing this seems to have the same stories. So. And then we go, but man, I liked it back when I didn't have to think about tomorrow. I didn't have to worry about if my pantry was full. And I'm going, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like the Book of Jude where it says the people were clamoring to get back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm like, man, we are, we're so blind to our own, uh, our own bondage of Babylon and, and, and the comforts. Like the stories that you guys are telling right now are the stories of God's provision. But this is why, so this is what I wanted to end with. It's, this is why what we're talking about is so hard. Is at the end of the day, it comes down to, do you want kind of the, the rhythm and the, the, the road that, uh, that Yahweh has promised, that the, the God of, of the Bible, the God of creation has promised, which means you're going to have to trust him again today. Like you actually got to trust him again today. Or there's another way. It's a broader road, though, and that road promises comfort and provision of abundance, like food and, 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 and bills and payroll. You never have to worry about it. It's there. I, I feel challenged by that. Once again, how long can we sit in it? That's the hard part. You know, it really, it really is a hard part and it daily, it daily in the actual work of doing this, like in the, cause we are transacting with people. We are selling things. We are dealing, running a business, dealing with money. And, 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 and yet we are doing it in ways like here we have, well, you know, we do like sliding scale repairs where we, people come in that are poor and can't afford our services, but they get them as if they could pay. Um, and we just slide the scale to where, you know, you only have 17 cents All right, it's 17 cents, but like, I'm constantly thinking of, you know, like you were talking about people not wanting to go back to when they don't have to worry about money. And Jesus said things like, actually, don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Like, these are the things the pagans are running after. Like, like seek first, put the kingdom, put the kingdom city first, put that pursuit first. Like just right now, get get after it. And then, and then all these things will be taken care of. Right. But then all, and he said, uh, you can't, you can't actually serve God in money. And when someone comes in here and I'm like, oh, you know, it feels like this weird dance. Like we're trying to kind of do both. Right. But it's like, you have to prioritize kingdom, prioritize the hospitality, the neighbor, the guest. Sometimes they can afford to pay. And there's nothing wrong with transacting in that way. Just as there's nothing wrong with transacting in gift and gratitude. Like we can go either way and, and rightfully should, but the, the constant struggle the thing that's so hard is just faith and faithfulness to the kingdom way when everything else says that's foolish. That's the wrong way to go about it. That's reckless. 
that's bad stewardship. That's, you know, deadly to the business, to the bottom line, to the whatever. And yet, weirdly enough, Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to lose it, you might find it. And that actually, to me, feels like the exact thing we have to, like, walk out in doing this. So would we caution, would we caution people that are kind of pursuing this road, but also kind of living in, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, like living in clear abundance in the work that they're doing. Like I find it to be, I guess I would say it like this, speak to this really quick, Hugh. I find it to be like a narrative that people pursue to tell the stories of like, man, this guy over here, he started this thing and they're killing it. They're on, they're like, you know, netting 80% of their deal a month and they're, they got like 180, you know what I'm saying? Like we say, be cautious with that pursuit. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we even have people leaning in that they hear our stories and they actually have abundance. They can come in and power. Uh, I know churches literally they go, hey, forget this church stuff. We're going to start, we're going to go buy a section of our city. And that's, I think that's missing the whole thing. I think, I think we do deep down want the locals to go, hey, I think the people at the post are doing well. But because we don't want to look like we're just like punks, right? I mean, there's got to be some business savvy. But I don't think we ever want to avoid just this uh, day-to-day manna. I mean, it's an, we talk about it. It's a manna economy that we're called to in the New Testament. So, um, yeah, do I like it occasionally when there's a little bit of a cush? Uh, yeah, I sleep. Oh, we all do. I sleep. It's great. But I wouldn't trade anything from the struggle to the letdowns i mean it seems like that's when god does all the work so yeah i th- you know i was thinking that, like maybe the last thing to bring up is just you know remember you know even in the book of acts converging space for them was solomon's gate like general admission they didn't have any spot but they had a spot so i think the bigger question is where's your spot going to be what is it you know it might be under a tree at right. a park i have no idea um you may not need spot. to go through any of this but I think the economy um, and taking a look at your city and what would really be a way to encourage your town. I think those are like the new questions we got to start asking. So I know you guys have all done a killer job at that and it actually has made an impact. I think about the other ecosystems that we're coaching and that we learn from uh, their spaces are all really, really important to them. And it's not about the building never has been, but it's about the building (laughs) of what God's doing, you know? So you say we're, we, we don't build the kingdom, but we build things that God built the kingdom on. And I think these convergence spaces are the things we should be building, especially on the front end. Um, so we'll talk more about that, but um, good one, boys.